This is the Same Jesus Podcast, a conversation between a pastor, a theologian, and their guests excavating what it means to follow Jesus in the context of a movement known as the Foursquare Church. In this first season, A.J. Swoboda, Russell Joyce, and all their guests will discuss the identity and values that have been the ethos of Foursquare for the past 100 years. You're listening to Episode 6, Spirit. Today, we are talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, yes. I want to actually start. With, also, is it offensive that we waited till episode six to bring in the Holy Spirit? There, there, there are some trolls in the back that are <laughs> currently writing in the YouTube preparing uh, their comment tweets. comment box. Yeah. And for those of you that are are angry, we're praying for you. Um, I want to start actually with a little academic stuff. Yeah. Okay, so I want to start with just kind of what what in the world is like Pentecostal spirituality? Yeah. Like, what is that? Yeah. What what is it? Because Foursquare is a part of the global Pentecostal movement. Yep. And there's there's been a number of people who've written on the topic. Russell Spittler is one of kind of my go-to people, wrote a really helpful kind of article, basically f- saying that there are five distinct elements in his article, uh, Spirituality, Pentecostal, and Charismatic, in which he argues there are five almost attributes or qualities hmm. of Pentecostal spirituality. He says, number one, there's experience. So it's it's the tangible lived experience of walking in the Holy Spirit. Yeah. What he calls orality, which basically means that Pentecostal charismatic spirituality tends to be more oriented towards spoken rather than academic and written, sure. which I think is absolutely true. Sure. Biblical authority, which is a very high view of scripture. Right. Number four is a what he calls otherworldliness, which kind of basically means that by being in the spirit, we are taken to a dimension of God's realm that transcends our own. James K. Smith's an enchanted world. Yeah, some, something yeah. to that effect. Yeah, yeah. And number five is the experience of spontaneity. Yeah. And when I think about these five experience, orality, biblical authority, otherworldliness, spontaneity, I see that riffing a lot in our movement. Those five really align in a lot of ways. And that last one, spontaneity, this is, okay, so this is something I've observed about our, our Foursquare connection, okay? And I don't see this in any other movement. It may be in other movements. I just don't see it. But when you go to our Foursquare gatherings, you will be, and if it's your first time, you'll be struck by it. You'll be like, who else does this? But there will be space in our gatherings for people to come to the mic and say what they hear Jesus saying. Totally, yeah. Absolutely yeah. unique. Yeah. I mean, and, and by vetted. the way, it's vetted. It's, it, yeah. There's boundaries around there's it. Boundaries. And it's not, yes. it's not as though it's, it's open right. for anybody. But but if I had a sense in, in one of those gatherings, like I sense Jesus was saying, I know I yeah. could make it to the mic. Yeah. And this is not scripted. It is not written in. It is at, the spontaneity is scripted. We are, yeah, exactly. We're creating yes. room for yes. the spontaneity. We are preparing for the Holy Spirit to disrupt our Exactly. Plans. And if anybody thinks that is like accidental, no, like it's prepared for. Yeah. Like when you look at the run sheet, it's like, we're going to create an extra hour right. for the Holy Spirit to do something. Yep. And what that is, is it's almost a liturgical, it's, it's a liturgical commitment to spontaneity. Right. And it's so four square. It's so unique. And sometimes it's awkward, mm-hmm. but there are times I have been at connection where the spirit of God said something that was undeniable, yep. as we would like to say. Pierce the heart. Yeah. Pierce the heart. Our mail was getting read. Something yeah. to that effect. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, Amy, Amy created space for people to have encounters with, with Jesus in her ministry. But at the same time, while she was committed to this, this, this experience of spontaneity, 
She also was highly skeptical of chasing experiences. Yes, yes. So in, in our research, I came across this, Daniel Epstein's phenomenal book deals with this a little bit, but there's one thing that she wrote in a book she wrote called Fire from Heaven, where she's talking about people that are coming at her, they're coming mm-hmm. hot at her. They're mm-hmm. like, you know, all you guys are doing is just, you're, you're creating experiences. You're just, it's emotionalism. all emotionalism. Yep. Psych- and she writes this. I just love this. She writes in her book, Fire from Heaven. She says, Many looking out upon the faces of the multitudes attracted by the preaching of the gospel wonder at the crowded, tear-stained altars and cry, ah, personality, psychology, personal magnetism, hypnotism, emotionalism. A dozen similarly ridiculous misnomers have been offered in an attempt to explain away the power which which the world beholds in operation and revivals. But that power can be attributed to not by the Holy Spirit. Here's what I love about Amy. She leaned on the power of the Holy Spirit, and she also thought there was a bunch of garbage in the middle of of the excitement. (laughs) Yeah. No, I don't know. It was a reaction against some Pentecostal fanaticism. So she was simultaneously, catch this. She was simultaneously actually believing the Holy Spirit would show up and calling out the garbage that she saw happening. Totally. Where where else does that happen? I, I remember reading one of the earlier examples where it says in a biography that a crisis had happened. There was a woman that was causing a scene and, and Amy went up to the mic and basically addressed her and said, Hey, this is not how we do this. This is not the Holy spirit that's moving and had her removed so that the, the service could continue. Yeah. So, I, mean, yeah. You, I mean, how do you, we, we, by the way, we're living in a moment where there have recently been revivals yeah. in, in America. I mean, Let there we, be more. Yeah. May, may the revivals happen. But in the last year, for example, we've had a huge revival. Uh, Asbury University has been yeah. uh, it's spread to multiple verses, but every time there's a revival, there's always somebody that wants to come in and kind of take it over. Totally. And Amy, this is one of the distinctive elements of her ministry that I absolutely love. She did not allow the movement to be taken over by fanatics. She didn't allow it to be taken over by politics. Totally. She didn't allow it to be taken over by ideology. She had her own stuff. I'm not saying she was pure, but I think she saw how the Holy Spirit can be, which is in the history of the church over and over and over again. One of the perennial issues is the gentle work of the spirit gets manipulated for human power. So we want to be, when we think about Foursquare, we want to lean into the power of the Holy Spirit and simultaneously as Amy, be able to call out the baloney stuff that often comes with it. And I wonder, so here's my question. A lot of Pentecostal movements or even wackiness. Uh, I should, I'm going to divorce those two. I'm not saying Pentecostal movements are wacky, but when wackiness pops up in Pentecostal movements, there is an overemphasis on the manifestations of the spirit and underemphasis on the fruit of the spirit. Yes. yes. And I would say an underemphasis on Jesus Christ at all. Absolutely. There's a focus on the spirit mm-hmm. and, and, and an underemphasis on Jesus, but we are a Christological movement. So would you just speak more in your experience and knowledge of Foursquare, how do you parse out the difference between being Christ-centered but allowing the Holy Spirit to minister? It is one thing to chase an, an attribute of God. If you chase an attribute of God, ironically, when you chase an attribute of God, you end up making your way to an idol. Yeah, always. So if you chase, you, we, we've mentioned this already, but if you chase... For example, if you chase love and make love your idol, yep. you, you are now following an attribute over God. If yeah. you chase justice, yep. 
you are now chasing an attribute over God. If you chase, oh boy, if you chase diversity, yeah. you, you are chasing an attribute over God. But when you, here's the ironic thing. When you chase God, yeah. you, you always get, get the attributes get of God. Yeah. You always end up getting the attributes of, of God. It is the same principle when it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Because the, the ultimate, this, this, is always, this is human nature. When you look at Israel at Mount Sinai for a year, they turn, they take, what do they do? They take, they worship a golden calf. What did they make the calf out of? Well, when you go back in the story, they, 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 earrings, earrings and necklaces. What did they do? They took a gift and they made it their God. And in the four score movement, it's very easy for us to take the gifts of God and make them our gods. Right. So the challenge for us is how do we chase the God who gives gifts rather than chase the gifts and make them our God? That is the endless problem. And I think ultimately to your point is we need a Jesus-centered approach totally. towards the Holy Spirit. That, which, is by, which is, by the way, we, it's so funny. Whenever you read the Trinity in the New Testament, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, we can't, we can't forget the Father. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit are always pointing at each other. Yeah, totally. Jesus is pointing to the Spirit. Yeah. The Spirit's pointing to the Father. The Father's pointing to the, Jesus. They never point to themselves. That is the mark of a gift gone awry is when the gift points to us rather than we are pointing to the God who gives the gifts. Right. When you say, and this is absolutely, if Paul was in the room, I think he would say, you've got the gifts of God. You've got lists of gifts and you've got the, the character of God or the, the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And then you have the gifts. What would it look like to be a Pentecostal movement that embraces every single one of the gifts and has as high a view of character yes. as we do totally. of the gifts? And, and when you look in Christian history, often when you look at those where the manifestations of the Spirit were present, where, yeah. where some might say there was an anointing, there was such high fruit of the Spirit in their lives. Yeah. There's such high fruit. The two go hand in hand. Yeah. Can we get a little controversial? Please. All right. Because one of the charges that was placed on Amy and one of the questions within Foursquare and within Pentecostalism, classic Pentecostalism says, if you were baptized in the Holy Spirit, evidence of that, speaking in tongues. Foursquare, for the longest time, said it's, it's a sign of being baptized in the Spirit, but not the sign. How would you... Mm speak to the signs of being spirit baptized? Like what is the irrefutable evidence of being baptized in the spirit? Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to, I want to give voice to some of our older Pentecostals in the room, because yeah. the reality is I know listening to this, hopefully there are some older Foursquare folks that were in the room when the manifestations of the spirits happen, of the spirit of God happened. And they, they are keenly interested in guarding a theology of the spirit that says those gifts matter. 100%. And I want to, I want to give voice to those people because yeah. they know often these gifts disappear yeah. because they're not cultivated and they're not seen. And I want to stand up for that community. Yeah. And I simultaneously want to say <laughs> that the minute you start adding anything to the grace of God as the way in which God works, you've created a false gospel. And I think one of the tendencies we've got in Foursquare is just to add a little bit of extra stuff. If you do this, if you do that, then you're really in. And I understand why we do that, but we, we want to be careful to not add place, add things that the text, the Bible itself is not adding. We, we may be getting into territory here that is beyond the pay grade, sure. but I know this. Sure. I know this. 
I want to advocate for the whole spirit, 100%. not a domesticated part of the spirit. Yep. And as we move forward, there was a famous article written years ago by a guy named Arthur Hurd who called the Holy Spirit the Cinderella of the Trinity. While the other members are off at the ball, she is left to clean the floor. And if, if every movement could bring their gift to the table, I think our, move, our gift to the table is, could we please not forget the power of the Holy Spirit? That's our gift of reminding the room, this, the Spirit is not a Cinderella. Let's not treat her as though she's some third member. No, she is co-equal with the Father and the Spirit. And at the same time, recognizing that God gets to be God and we don't get to put him in a box. Yes. Like it's interesting as, you know, even in that discussion, I was saved in a Southern Baptist church. Mm-hmm. And one of the, whether it's, you know, whether it's forced or whether it's just part of the culture, a very important aspect of the Baptist, at least in my church was, you know, the date that you were saved. Yes. You write that date down, yep. right? Right. Cause that's almost, you have, you have a, you have God in a box now. It's like, oh, yes. I gave my life on this date. You, you have to save me. Pentecostals, what we can do is if we say speaking in tongues is the irrefutable evidence of being baptized in the spirit. Now we also likewise have mm-hmm. God in the box, so mm-hmm. to speak. And I'm with you. Yep. I do speak in tongues. I believe that the Lord pours out his spirit. And I think, I forget what scholar said it, but I think interestingly, tongue speech is pushing back against our idolatry of rationalism mm-hmm. too. Absolutely where it invites us into an experience with God where I am fully in my right mind, but there is such a word of praise and a word of communion with the Lord in my gut that the only way it can honestly and integrously come out is in glossolalia. Yes. Like that's the only way. But I also want to say that the Lord, that God is God and that God's spirit can move and there can be profound uh, communion with him that might look all sorts of ways. Yes. Yes. There's actually a Pentecostal kind of funny. There's a Pentecostal deaf community on the East coast where it has been reported that a, a deaf community speaks in tongues, using hmm. sign language. Wow. And I, you would never, I mean, you would imagine, right. That this is just a, a, a physical or right. a, a verbal uh, reality, but you know, tongues in a sense, I love what you're saying in a way tongues is God in, Taking that commandment, if unless you act like children, you can't be a part yeah. of the kingdom. Yeah. It's like a literalization of that. Totally. Jesus is asking us to speak in tongues. It, Jesus is asking us to speak in, in a language that does not make rational sense. In fact, they have taken machines that you know map the human mind and had people spoken in tongues, and parts of the brain light up that would yeah. not normally light up right. and, you know, without these experiences. Spontaneity, though. Go, come back to this yeah. for a second. Yeah. The earliest Pentecostals, this is interesting. So the earliest Pentecostals, Actually, many of them actually believed having a sermon script, your notes, was considered a sin. How? Oh. Because it meant that I'll you were not- put the laptop away yeah, right now. put the laptop away. <laughs> but it meant that you were not relying on the Spirit. Now, of course, people like J.I. Packer and whatnot would say, well, can't the Holy Spirit be involved in the preparation? Absolutely. Sure. But I just, I want to guard, and I think we should care about this as we, as we think about this podcast or movement. I want to guard that silly spontaneity. Yeah. That, that, it's yeah. not too scripted yeah. that we just are always making room totally. for the Spirit to do what the Spirit wants. One of my favorite theologians on the Holy Spirit is Daniel Casella. Yes. And he talks about Pentecostalism as jazz music. Yes. Right? And he talks about how the Spirit, if you go to a jazz concert, one of the, it can feel like jazz musicians are purely spontaneous. Mm-hmm. That all they're doing 
is just riffing. And to a certain degree, they are being spontaneous. But what people don't recognize, yes, their structure and jazz musicians are better trained than any other musicians. They know the fundamentals better than anyone else. And you can't, you can't improv without the script. Exactly. You have to have both. Exactly. Likewise, what would it look like for us as Pentecostals? And, And Amy said this, she was asked one time, what is the irrefutable sign of the Holy Spirit? And she said, the fruit of the spirit is the irrefutable sign that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. What would it look like for us to be so dedicated to the fundamentals of koinonia, communion with God, so dedicated to the spiritual disciplines, to allowing the fruit of the spirit to grow in us, that then in our gatherings, the Holy Spirit can improvise and jazz music can result because we all know the structure and the chord chart so well. Yes, it's a trellis in the vine. You can't have a vine without a trellis. But a vine without the trellis will grow wild and ultimately not grow any fruit. So, so we're about to have an interview. Who are who are you going to talk to? Yeah, George Boutron, who's the global ah. associate director for Foursquare in the Asia Pacific region. He's been ministering there for thirty years. This guy has seen the power of the Spirit. He walks in the power of the Spirit. It's going to be an incredible interview. Let's get to it. Let's, Let's talk to it. him. All right, we are joined by George Boutron who is the yes. Global Associate Director for the Foursquare Movement in South Asia, as well as based in Singapore, but currently in Sri Lanka. And it's very early in the morning right now, correct? <laughs> yes, yes. My, my life is a moving target. Yeah. And <laughs> I have been in Sri Lanka for almost a week and heading back to Singapore tomorrow. Wow. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your morning to chat with us. As we mentioned, we are doing a podcast called The Same Jesus where we really want to articulate the core distinctives and DNA of the Foursquare movement. Yes. And this episode is on the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit so central, not an afterthought, but central to who we are as the Foursquare movement? So why don't we just start with a softball? What is the craziest deliverance story you've (laughs) ever been a part of? Oh, well, that's easy. (laughs) First of all, I should say that I I was adopted into Foursquare. Mm -hmm. I joined the Foursquare movement because of a pastor named Larry Spousta, who actually discipled me and led helped us helped us to lead a student ministry on the campus of a small agriculture college in Colorado, Sterling, Colorado. And I grew up I grew up Anglican or Episcopal in American speak. My dad was Catholic. My mom was Presbyterian. They got married. We grew up Episcopalian. And so there was virtually no gospel, no activity of the Holy Spirit in the church that I grew up in. But my mother and my sisters were filled with the Holy Spirit when I was an early teenager. And I saw something remarkable happen in my home. It was undeniable. I, when I was 15 years old, I got on my knees and I prayed that God would give me the Holy Spirit. I was not a Christian yet. Hmm. And what, what made you pray I just that knew prayer? I needed something. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I asked what made you pray that prayer? I read a couple of books. I read a book, Nikki Cruz, Run Baby Run, you know, gang leader in New York City. Read a book called Prison to Praise about a guy who got stole something in the Navy, got thrown in the brig, got saved, got healed, and just started seeing miracles. So I got on my knees and I said, God, I've never seen a miracle. And my church doesn't talk about this kind of stuff, but this is if this is real, I need this. Please give me your Holy Spirit. Two years later, that prayer was answered, and I overdosed on drugs at the age of 17, just for my 18th birthday, and I was on my way out. And 
I was, I was sinking into a pit. I knew my life was over. I knew I was going to hell. And I just said, God, I'm so sorry. I, I've ruined everything. I believe so many lies. And now my life is over. But if it's not too late for me, if I could still choose, I would choose you. Wow. And I had, a, I had an encounter with Jesus. I had what you know, in, we would call a power encounter. My mother had been praying for me. I had gone through the motions of praying the sinner's prayer and, you know, just attempting to improve myself to win God's approval. And that worked really well, <laughs> as you can imagine. So I, I had an encounter with the Lord and I was filled with the Holy Spirit that night. And I sat up in the bed that I had been laying on. And I suddenly said with great authority, Satan, in the name of Jesus, get out. Mm. And something started to move in my stomach. I felt something roiling down there. And it came up and it went out my right ear. And it sounded like a June bug or a big insect, like twice around the room. And then it was gone. And I remember thinking, I've been a Christian five minutes and I just cast out my first demon. And it was (laughs) in me. (laughs) Wow. And so I tell people, you know, you want to go to deliverance school? You, you don't really have to, you know, the name of Jesus is enough. And so my Christian life began with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and I've never looked back. George, George, can I, can I just ask you, given the context where you do your ministry and your, in your work, I get asked this question all the time by my students at the university where I teach. And the question goes something like this. Why do we always hear the Holy Spirit doing so much stuff outside the United States? Hmm. Why is what is there just a dependence for God where you are that that that's unique and different? Well, the the spirit the, the worldview of most Asians is rooted in animism, and so they believe in a in a spiritually active world. They they grow up believing that they grow up believing in spirits and powers and demons and curses and blessings, and so so that's it's kind of like Native Americans, you know. It's 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 animism. It's just, you know, it's, it's the force <laughs> and, and people believe in spiritual activity. The European Western secular worldview is missing that, you know, yes. we believe in a physical world. Most people believe in some kind of a spiritual reality out there somewhere, but we don't believe that they interact, that the two interact, they, 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 Paul Hebert called it the excluded middle. And, and so we live with a really, really defective worldview in the West. And so when I became a Christian and I started to see God's hand, I said, I've been missing this my whole life. God, you've been here the whole time. And I've just missed it because my, my, my brain didn't have a category for this. Absolutely. As people are starting to experience, here's something I hear all the time is I don't know how to hear the voice of God. I don't know how to hear the voice of the spirit as what would you say as people are starting to experience God or have a longing, a desire for that same type of experiential relationship with God in the Holy Spirit, how would you counsel them? Well, I'd say first of all, you're probably they're probably making it too hard. Hmm. That God's probably been speaking to them all along and they just didn't recognize it. I was yeah. praying, uh, you know, as you can see, I wear glasses and I lost a lot of pairs pair of eyeglasses when I was a kid and school was getting ready to start. It was the end of summer holidays and I couldn't find my glasses anywhere. And I said, God, and I, you know, I used to pray. I always would talk to God even before I was a Christian, you know, when I needed help, when, you know, when I wanted to make a deal. And uh, (laughs) so I said, Lord, I got to find my glasses or I'm in trouble and I don't know where they are. And this crazy idea came into my head. I had a little junior 
golf set. And I took all the clubs out of the golf bag, turned it upside down and out came my glasses. And that was the first time I think I ever heard the voice of God. And I was probably, you know, 12, 10, 12 years old. And, and it just seemed like God really had spoken to me. It didn't happen very often. (laughs) I was, you know, but, but I, I remember it. And so what I tell people is, why don't you relax a little bit? Why don't you, why don't you not try so hard? Why don't you try not to worry about whether you're deserving of, of receiving anything? Cause you're not let's, and, and I just help people to go through some steps, you know, let's, let's, first of all, let's, you know, let's, let's tell the devil not to be involved in this at all. Let's, let's kick him out. And, and then let's remember that Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And, Let's let's ask him to help you to hear his voice. And so I kind of lead people through exercises yeah. in this sometimes yeah. and make it as easy as possible. When you, George, when you think about Foursquare, you know, every denomination has its own unique perspectives on, on a variety of issues, right? You, you have different movements that kind of view the end of the time differently. Some have a different eschatology. Some have different perspectives about baptism and sacrament. When you look at Foursquare, specifically when it comes to Foursquare's perspective on the Holy Spirit, what is unique about our movement when it comes to the Holy Spirit? Wow. A couple of things. We are not extreme. Hmm. Uh-huh. And when I say extreme, I mean, we're, we're, we're not a cookie cutter movement. We don't insist that everybody do everything the same way. Uh-huh. And we're not extreme in terms of behavior and, and how we act when the Holy Spirit is moving. Now, I have been in places where there are Foursquare Christians that are very extreme. (laughs) And uh, some of the countries we've lived in, like Papua New Guinea, when people people experience the the presence and the activity of the Spirit, they get pretty happy and pretty crazy sometimes. (laughs) And so I wouldn't say Foursquare. I, I don't think anybody's immune to what I call Pentecostal extremes. But I decided a long time ago that I would, I would like to be part of a church that believes in the stuff, in the activities, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the miracles, the signs and wonders. I, I, just, I just wanted to be part of something that actually, actually believed in and practiced these things as best we could. Imperfectly, but at least we're trying. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I found Foursquare to, to be that group. Now, I interned in another Pentecostal church for 18 months. And I, I am not, I am not culturally a Pentecostal. Remember, I grew up Episcopalian. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I was struggling in this church the whole time. I loved the people. I believed what they believed, but I just didn't fit in. And it was a cultural issue. I know that now because I, I've been doing cross-cultural ministry for so long. But at the time, I just thought, man, what is wrong with me? Why can't I, you know, why can't I do all the the moves. Why can't I make all the noise? <laughs> and, and and so I I have found Foursquare to be a welcoming culture and generally a very safe culture, but a, but also a place where there's true hunger for God and for the Holy Spirit. That's that's my simple explanation. Why would you say I mean this is an obvious question, and maybe that means there's an obvious answer, but why would you say? that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is so important to Jesus's ministry at the kingdom coming to earth or, or even to the ministry that he's, you know, accomplishing through you. Why is the, the presence of the ministry of the Holy Spirit so important to that work? Yeah, that's a good question. 
Well, it's, it's my understanding is that everything that Jesus did, he did as a human who was anointed by the Holy Spirit. You know, he quoted Isaiah 61, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And, and he attributed everything that he did to hearing the voice of the Father yeah. and to the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit that was on his life. And I think Jesus is the example. I think we I think we walk in his footsteps. If Jesus was baptized in water, we get baptized in water. If the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, he he should come upon us. And he did say that the works that I do, <laughs> you yep. you will do also, and even greater works than these. And that, that's it. That's a challenge to me. Yeah. The book of Acts is a challenge. I read the book of Acts. And I say, Lord, I don't think we're quite living there right now. In some ways we are. We got problems. You know, <laughs> in Asia, we have persecution. Now that's that's a reality. But but the the reality of of miraculous activity in the church is something that I I, I hunger for. Not the not the weird stuff, but the the real stuff. Yeah. And I, I think in Foursquare, we have always we have always made room for that. We have always tried to do that. And that's I'm speaking very generally. I know that's not true of every church and every person and every pastor, but I think in general, it's a it's a value that yeah. we hold to and that we have that we have tried to steward. George, I remember when I was 18 years old. This was the first time I went to a four-square church. I was 18 years old. I was a freshman at the University of Oregon. Nate Petzel was the college pastor at the Onyx House at Eugene Face Center, Nate. and I remember showing up to this college group. And I had I got I had gotten saved at a Baptist church in my hometown uh, when I was 16 years old, and I showed up to this college group, and I was immediately terrified at people raising their hands and expressing themselves in the gifts of the Spirit. And it dawned on me, of course, years later, that so many of the reasons that I was hesitant about the Holy Spirit were negative projections that had been put on me by other people. And when you think about somebody who's maybe going to come into Foursquare. And they've got some baggage around manipulations of the Holy Spirit or misuses or even abuses. What would you say to that person? Yeah, I, I would say honest, honest study of the Word of God and, and, and an open consideration of what the Bible is suggesting is normative for the wow. Christian life. There's two kinds of people that have trouble with, with the activity of the Holy Spirit, and that is people that have been taught in negative situations, cessationist churches that teach that, you know, the gifts and activity of the Holy Spirit ended with the time of the apostles. I just had a friend in Singapore, MIT graduate, brilliant guy, grew up in a Pentecostal church, and he came across a, an article written by somebody who believes that everything stopped once the New Testament was written. And he was struggling with this, and he's a smart guy. Mm. And so we just had a conversation. I shared some things with him. We talked it through, and 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 he and it resolved for him. So the first kind of people that have trouble are, are people that you know came from the you know the traditional you know ba background, and the second kind of people that had trouble are people that grew up in extreme Pentecostalism, mm. and they saw <laughs> they saw a little too much craziness. My my boys and growing up in Papua New Guinea, uh, my youngest son. When he moved back to the States, he was going to a, a church for recovering Pentecostals. It was kind of like <laughs> Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes. You know? <laughs> and, and the beautiful thing about the church is they did not, they did not throw away the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit. They just came to terms with the fact that some of the things they had experienced yeah. were probably not 
not the kind of stuff that has to happen in order for the Holy Spirit to be working in people's lives. I always think of that line from C.S. Lewis. He's, he's, he's talking about wine and he says, you know, the abuse of wine, you can't blame, the alcoholic can't blame wine for his alcoholism. The abuse of something never nullifies its original use. And I, I think a lot of people have negative connotations about the spirit, but that's not the spirit's fault. That's, that's people's misuse of the spirit or the name of the Holy Spirit. So I, I really appreciated actually you're saying that in this community, they didn't stop practicing the gifts. They just, they just did it gently and they did it kind, they did it in an appropriate way. And, yeah. and that's actually a question I have. Mm. So you drew the distinction between the real and the weird, mm. right? What is the motivation of a heart so far as we can tell that draws, that sort of opens up room for the real of the spirit? And what is the motivation of the heart that maybe takes us down the road of the weird? <laughs> I, I think humility. I, I think realizing how needy we are, how empty we are without God. And I think, I, I think just saying, Lord, I, I don't have what I need to, to follow you. I don't yes. have what I need to serve you. You know, I don't have a, I don't have a defective brain. I have a fairly, you know, I was pretty good in school. I, you know, but, but I don't have the brain power. My brain won't do what, what needs to happen when I'm, when I'm in Bangladesh, a Muslim majority country that, that had openly, or India or any of these places that openly persecute Christianity and oppose it. I, I don't have, I'm not equipped to, to address those issues, except if God can drop things into me yes, <laughs> that yes. will give me answers in difficult situations that will bring encouragement to people that just don't, you know, don't have very much to hope for. <laughs> yeah. I I've just over and over again, I've just, I've just experienced what happens when God shows up yeah. and it, it is the best. And when it went and, and when I try to do it on my own, it is far from the best. And that really hits home for me. I feel like, I don't know, Russell, if you experience this too, and George, I know you do given your context, but, I'm having more and more conversations with my students in like office hours about things that I have no textbook for, like, like <laughs> just stuff that, that my students are bringing that there's no like perfect apologetic response to like all, literally all I have is the Holy spirit. That's all I've got. And it sounds like in, in the context that you're in where you are facing like systemic persecution, if you don't have the Holy spirit, you're done. You got no hope. I, I made a little deal, but I was just oh, gonna say I made a little deal with the Lord a long time ago when I first became a youth pastor, and I was just a sem- I was seminary graduate, and I had all the I had all the cool you know knowledge and tools, and I was trying to build a youth ministry with that, and it w- wasn't going great. Yeah, and finally, finally one night, I just I just started praying for the kids and laying hands on them and just asking God to help them, and 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 something happened. Yeah. And I went home that night and I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. Yeah. I, I did it again. I've been trying to do this in my own strength and wisdom. Yes. And thank you for showing up tonight in spite of me. And Lord, I will continue in the ministry for as long as you keep coming. Mm-hmm. As long as, you know, and I know I have to make room for you. I know I have to, you know, have some faith here. But Lord, I'll stay in the ministry as long as you're here with me. But if I'm ever trying to do this on my own again, I'm not going to help anybody and no, I'll just need to find something else to do. So that's, that's how I operate <laughs> or I've tried to operate. So beautiful. And, and I mean, you kind of just answered the question I wanted to end with, but maybe if you have one more story, when we think about the good wine, that is the ministry of the Holy Spirit, 
Is there an example, a moment, a story that comes to mind for you in ministry where the Holy Spirit, just the, the entire scene of ministry and the ministry of the Holy Spirit was so was such good wine. Mm. It was so gentle, but still had power and authority and it, it, it led to conviction, but it led to healing. Is, just, is there a moment or a story that comes to mind that epitomizes the good ministry of the Holy yeah. Spirit? In fact, since I'm in Sri Lanka, let me let me illustrate this with a person, mm-hmm. and, and that is a person we all know and love, and that's Leslie Kegel. Yeah, there is not a more gentle, yeah. humble, yeah. understated human being that I have ever met than Leslie Kegel. And for 40 years, on April 1st was the 40-year anniversary of him becoming the national leader of Foursquare Sri Lanka, which means really he started it. You know, I think there was one church, and that man. I've never heard him raise his voice. I've never, I've never seen him do anything, you know, absurd or, or offensive. But I have seen the power of God with authority resting upon this, this small in stature, humble Sri Lankan man who has gone around the world and ministered in the power of God. And I don't know anybody who hasn't been touched by this man's ministry. And so I would say in terms of a consistent, longstanding example that, that, that that's easy to identify, Leslie Kegel has, has modeled that for us. Yes. And, and it's, it's really a privilege to work with him, by the way. So, so yeah, I would just say, you know, he, he, read his book. Uh, he's, he's got a book that was uh, published. Read, read, read the stories of the miracles that he's experienced. George, thank you for taking time to have thank this you, conversation. George. We're really grateful for you and God's minister, God's grace to you and all the work that you're doing in, in, in your part of the world. Thank you. Well, Russell and AJ, thanks for the invitation. I'm happy to meet you guys. I, I've admired you from afar and great to have this chance to talk and hope, hope this time will be helpful for someone. Thanks, thanks George. George. Gosh, George, George exudes the ministry of the Holy Spirit. 100%. And I love even that he, you know, referenced us to Leslie. And if anyone doesn't know Leslie on this podcast and go read his book, go look about Leslie Kegel. It, you know, it made me think as he was talking about Leslie, First Corinthians chapter two, Paul's ministry, where he says, and so it was with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Humility. I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power. So your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Mm. Something so interesting about even that, it's not only the people's faith, but I think it's also Paul's own. Mm. So let me share a little story, if it's okay. Please, yeah, yeah. yeah. When I planted Hope Brooklyn, one of the recurring themes early on, and just sharing in full transparency, I'd have people come up to me after services moved by my sermons, but no one gave their life to Jesus. And then there was a certain point where a couple months in, I went to the Lord. It's like, I, if one more person tells me how much they enjoy my preaching, but is not changed, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I sense the Holy Spirit rebuke me and say, you're not even praying enough. Like you're, you're and, and not praying enough, like it's a transaction, but this sense of, I was putting my trust and human wisdom. Yeah. And I repented right there. It was so gentle, but it was so corrective. And I said, Lord, forgive me. And that next week I was like, Lord, I started praying, Lord, would you, would you reach people 
with your power, not with any amount of the sermon. That very next Sunday, we had our first person give their life to Jesus. And there was something even in that where, and it was someone who I had great relationship with that had been walking with her for a while. The fact that that was the Sunday where she finally gave her life. There was something in that, that even for me, God is like, my spirit does this. This is not by might. It's not by power. Like Psalm 33, a king can't trust in his army. A war horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Who are you going to trust? We trust in the power of the spirit. We trust in the spirit who's going to fight our battles. So good. I think I, I've probably led a lot of people to Jesus who couldn't stand my preacher. So <laughs> maybe may sure however it works. Case. Yeah. I remember, dude, this, this is, this is, this is, this going back to the archives. I remember a season of time planting in Portland and I was super cynical. I was just mad, kind of grumpy at God. Some hard things had and happened. That's contextual cynical. for Portland. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. like, yeah, it comes with the tight jeans. So I, I, I went to connection one year and I saw a miracle. And it just melted my cynicism. Yeah, it just melted my cynicism to recognize, like, I can get all cynical and all, like, you know, what what not. But then when you see God's hand move, totally, yeah. I mean, I I feel like in the Bible that what He said about humility. Yes. How many times in the Bible do people experience God and fall on their face? Every time. Every time. It's impossible. And it's never like they're never. No one in the Bible experiences God and is more arrogant afterwards. Or, or it was like, now I need to fall on my face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, 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 now, right, right. I'm right, making the decision right. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank God for the George Butrons of the yeah. world. And, and would we Unless remember- like Kegels. Yeah, the yeah. people in the, the world that are, are reminding us that, man, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control is the loneliness that comes, not loneliness, yeah. the lowliness- yeah that comes with experiencing the Holy Spirit. And that's that's where the authority lies too. It's actually in that humility yes. that the power of the Spirit is. And may yes. Foursquare be that kind of movement. Yes. May that be how we lead as we may point people come. to yeah, yeah, spirit the way of Jesus. Amen. Great conversation. So, okay, think we're talking next. Episode um, seven. Episode seven. And if, if I'm correct, we're talking about mission. Mission, a topic near and dear to both of our hearts as church planters. Yes. But yes. really, really excited. It's going to be a great conversation. So fun. Looking forward to it. Oh, I can't wait. This is good. I can't wait. This is good. Thank you for listening to the Saying Jesus podcast. On our next episode, Russell and AJ will dive into the topic of mission. Join the conversation and follow along on YouTube, Apple Podcast, or Spotify today. Make sure to subscribe to our channels to stay up to date on new episode releases and resources. And we'd love for you to share this conversation with all your friends and family. Thanks. Until next time, we will continue to rest in the fact that Jesus really is the same yesterday, today, and forever.